Welcome to the Super Givers Podcast, everyone, where you can gain powerful access to folks doing extraordinary work in the world. Now, in my definition and on my show, when I say extraordinary work, that doesn't have to equate to large-scale work. However, this week's guest is doing inspiringly simple work on a global scale. Michael Lloyd White is the Secretary General of an organization called World Kindness. As you might interpret, the mission of this agency is to bring kindness to as many people in the world as possible, thereby creating belonging, connection, and ultimately large-scale nonviolent cultures. Michael has traveled the world as an ambassador for the kindness movement, and in our interview, he shares amazing insight and stories from his vast and worldly experience. He'll also share how you can change your mindset and behavior to help the kindness movement match and overtake the international campaign of fear, and how the kindness movement is learning from the campaign strategy of terrorism. I'm your host, Jesse Johnson, personal revolution coach and aspiring super giver myself. Sit back and buckle up for this one. Michael Lloyd White, chairman of several governing bodies around kindness. That's awesome to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much, Jesse Johnson. Yeah. So interviewer extraordinaire. Well, we'll find out. Counselor and coach. (laughs) For my sake and anybody listening, I would love to have you just repeat what you said to me before we started recording about the roles that you identify with and what they mean. Okay, well, I wear a couple of different hats. I'm the immediate past Secretary General or General Secretary to the World Kindness Movement. World Kindness Movement is the peak global body for kindness organisations around the world, represents about 28 nations. And um, I was tapped on the shoulder back in 2009. I was just doing a local campaign and um, I got involved that way. I then formed World Kindness Australia and I've just stepped down after delivering the Australian Prime Minister's message in Seoul during North Korea's nuclear test. And um, my focus now is on a greater challenge and that challenge is forming and putting together a national platform for collaboration in the US. And that's World Kindness USA. So all, it's at least three of those sound like there could be hours of conversation (laughs) beneath each one. what do you think? They excited? overlap. They yeah. overlap. They're on the same. They're in the same direction. Yeah. So maybe speak a little bit about that. How how are they overlapping, and what's the what's the specific mission that's guiding them? <sighs> well, kindness seems kind of vague, warm, and fluffy. It doesn't really do justice to what we're doing, and that's not anyone's fault. That's just the current perception of kindness. It's about sugar and spice and all things nice. And that, I never really got that. You know, I saw kindness as the courage to be kind, the courage to stand up in a crowd and ask, is this the best we can be? Or to speak up on behalf of somebody else who may not be a friend, but who's been victimized and you've got nothing to gain. And the reason I say courage to be kind is because I don't believe there's any act of courage that's not tempered with kindness because both are selfless. And that takes me back to a public school in Sydney where we were new parents, uh, got involved in a Mother's Day event, raised a lot of money for the event. But during that, we noticed some pretty bad behaviour in the playground and it wasn't the kids. It was the parents. We took that, we got invited to the PTA, or PTA, we call it PNC, but PTA meeting, and um, had that opportunity when you got holding a $17,000 check, it kind of gives you a bit of space. We gave them the money, and then I said, would you like some feedback? I gave them some feedback. I don't think they necessarily liked it, but we just identified one of the things we were able to achieve apart from the $17,000 was that we made a clown cry. <laughs> and I thought, how does that happen? And it wasn't like Krusty the Clown. It's a young girl who was doing a, um, a, a favour for us, providing free service, balloon animals and face painting and magic tricks. And the parents became quite frustrated because the queue for her was quite long. 
And um, basically they abused her, said she was too slow, grabbed the balloons out of her hand and said, you're, you're too slow, we'll, we'll blow them up, you tie the effing things up and threw them back in her face. We've got to go. Wow. This is, uh, but there's, that's one of a dozen stories. And I don't want to focus on the negative, but I didn't choose to do this. I didn't choose, hey, I'm going to go and not-for-profit wasn't my bag. Hmm. I was a businessman and I, I was in a reasonable position and this wasn't going to be something that I saw taken over my entire life. But it did. And from that, our, our school motto was kindness and courtesy, funnily enough, and we used that to be able to move forward and have an event. It was successful. We had 3,000 people attend. We took it to the national PTA or the state PTA, which represented 2,300 schools. We got them to write to the Minister of Education. And next thing you know, it's on the school calendar and we've got three to 400 events happening in the next three months in schools to promote kindness. That got the attention of the peak global body, which was then based in Singapore, and it was run by the Singapore government. And they said, who are you? And I said, I'm a dad. And next thing you know, I'm in Singapore, and then I'm presenting a global strategy on how to change the world in London. And Australia is then elected to become the secretariat and that's where I've been for the last five years. So I've been doing a lot of traveling and I've been, I've tend to focus on macro. So I like big picture problems and um, creating the kind of world is a sort of challenge that I can get my teeth into. What are some of the most inspiring results that you've seen so far? We developed a, um, we developed a, a uh, tool of engagement called, and it's a, you've probably heard of kindness cards. They normally are a paper and they normally say pay it forward and an act of kindness. We captured, uh, we took a different um, take on that and we created one that identified acts of kindness. It's got a unique identifier and it captures the story online. You enter the story with the card number saying, Listen, Jesse, thank you for giving us the time today to have a chat about world kindness. I want to acknowledge you. I was given something, told to hold on to it, but not to keep it. I was told to, at an appropriate time, pass it on. And that card stays in contact with you. Every time a new story is entered, and we've had cards that have been around the world four times, it sends an email with a link and it shows you where it is on Google Maps, the amount of miles it's travelled and the act of kindness it's captured. And one story that blew me away was I'd given this card out about a year, a year before and hadn't had any activity on it. And then I get the email saying your card's just been registered and I read the story. I know who it is. And it's a friend of mine who is in his 40s, a new dad, and he's been able to go back to his heyday and go out into a water polo match for a Masters, they end up winning. They go out to celebrate, they go to the local hotel pub, as we call it, and um, the filters kind of slide off after the third round of drinks and they become a little bit obnoxious. The manager behind the bar comes up to the waitress and says, look, don't worry about these guys, I'm gonna throw them out, I'll be back in five minutes. That waitress decided to go up to these men tap them on the shoulder and give them a nudge and say, listen, guys, you're about to get turfed out of here. If you pull your head in, I will put a good word in for you. They did. They were very embarrassed. Closing time came, and just as they were leaving, one of them turned around and walked up to the waitress and said, listen, I want to thank you for what you've done because we don't get together. We don't get a hall pass very often, and... It was a big day for us and we're incredibly grateful. Hands of the card. When you go online, enter that card number and you'll see the story that we all wrote about you. And she was really touched and she took the card and that was it. And I think to myself, bloody Craig, <laughs> it's my mate. And um, about 
two weeks later, I get another email. It's the same card. And it says, and it's the waitress. Let's say her name's Susan. And she says to the, look, I'm just registering my card, but before I pass it on, I wanted to acknowledge the guys that gave me the card because they did not realise at the time that that was going to be my last day at work. Mm. In fact, they didn't realise that I made the decision that that was going to be my last day, period. But on receiving that little card, I gained a sense of hope. And she volunteers for us now. Wow. And I had no idea that, but it just goes to show, just goes to show. When we go that little length, it wasn't even a mile, but we just go to acknowledge somebody's kindness. It's a fact that they matter. Then there's stories in Hong Kong where a Thai diplomat saved the life of a woman that had been beaten up in the streets and was giving birth. I mean, there's thousands and thousands of stories out there. And then there's stuff that doesn't make the headlines. People in the U.S. taking a a teenager, of of a daughter of a friend who was suicidal and basically taking care of them. Nothing to gain. Not even thanked or rewarded or nothing. But they just do it and they've got their own stuff going on. And I feel that when you have a purpose greater than yourself, that becomes a lifeline because I tend to find that people working in this space, working in the light, they're getting pursued. They're getting pursued. They're getting challenged by the darkness because as much as you want to go and do this, there's just as much force out there that doesn't want because you're making them nervous, <laughs> you know, because if you get a leg up, if you actually get going, you will make a difference. And I think that um, I met so many amazing people in, in so many different countries. I can tell you about the ex-bikers in Malaysia. I can tell you about the school teacher in New York or the or the mum in in Phoenix, and you know any you name a country, there's a story, and these little cards capture the story, and they have really helped us fund the global campaign for the last five years, and um, it allows us to be independent because we don't accept donations, and we don't apply for grants. We're totally independent, not for profit, but self-funded. Because we we don't want to compete. We want to collaborate. And if you're competing with charities, not just for donations and grants and time with people of influence and sponsorship, you're competing with charities for Facebook likes. And if you want to bring about real change, you you need to collaborate. And the greatest hurdle to collaboration is competition. And we're too worried about protecting our brand. And now we're going to Think about our personal brand, which gets back to high school, where it's by association. Oh, you're not cool enough, so I can't associate with you. And it just sucks. You know, we've got the pendulum has just swung too far. The world has become about self, whether it's self-help, selfies, self-serve. It's just it's just totally the opposite to where we want to go and where we need to be. Sounds like at the core of your mission is to change the world's focus from competition to collaboration. Yeah. On, on yeah, that's a big part. Uh, don't get me wrong. Healthy competition is great in this in in this in you know a friendly rivalry. You know that's what the Olympics is about. And the city that I just presented to in Australia, which is the first city in the world to meet the KPIs, that's the kindness performance indicators. They've been doing it now for five years. We've just presented them with an international endorsement as a world kindness city. Now, what's important about that is is the world kindness movement's been around for a fair while. It's independent. It has no commercial affiliations. It has no religious affiliations. It has no government affiliations, but it's happy to work and collaborate with people. 
and they've just selected this city to be a world kindness city and it's hosting the commonwealth games which is the british empires so it's the second largest sporting event in the world and the movement actually got its origins back in 63 when you've got to think about japan in 63 post-war post-nuclear japan and they were having the olympics in tokyo they're inviting former wartime enemies back onto their shores and they've still got the scars of hiroshima and nagasaki and the government had taken the idea from a university professor to have a national kindness campaign in preparation for the Olympics. Now, if you look at the relationship between those enemies today, you would never know that both sides had committed horrible atrocities. You would never know they were at such, they were enemies. And if kindness was part of that foundation of reconciliation, then that's what we need to be having conversations about more often. But it's hard today to take the kinder option. Hmm. It's not easy for governments. It's easy to take the lesser of two evils and justify that, oh, we could have been much meaner. We could have done this. But the kinder option actually create means you've got to put a bit of energy into it. It's usually not a yes or a no answer. It's usually an outside of the square thinking. So I wonder if you can get us up to speed on how all, all of what you're saying funnels you into chairing World Kindness USA, which you're <sighs> saying is sort of your frontier premium importance now, huh? Well, when you look at, when you look at how the world got here, and I'm, I'm not chairing, I'm just an advisor to the board. We're okay. very fortunate to have... Will Glennon, who's the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Foundation, one of the largest in the, in the US, and a founding member of WKN. He's since stepped down and retired, but he's um, he and I have been talking for years that we needed to have a collaborative platform in the US, and it was a struggle. But when you think about how did the world get to the stage it's in, it wasn't with big business and big government marching down the street with picket signs protesting. It was through subtle influence. And that influence, the undercurrent and the driver of that influence to get people to comply was fear. And I would love to be able to say that our campaign is the most successful campaign in the world. And you know where I'm going with this, but it's not. Sadly, the most successful campaign in the world is the campaign of fear and hate. It's in the 24-7 news cycle. It captures those people who even oppose it. And what I mean by that is when you see people with good intent becoming fearful, becoming hateful, and then attacking the messenger rather than focusing on the content, you know that campaign is winning. Yeah. And um, I look to speak with people of influence because we need to influence the influential. And what influences the world most? Which culture over the generations has influenced the world most? And it's the USA. We just need to adjust a little bit. So if we can do that, that's the challenge. But it's hard because you guys are incredibly competitive, which is good, but it's a double-edged sword. So how do we bring them together without having to worry about your brand, your logo, your IP, <laughs> and your money? How do we do that? Well, it's really simple. Because the one thing we don't discriminate, well, we discriminate on everything, right? Everything. It's not about religion. It's not about race. It's not about politics. It's not about gender or sexual preference. We discriminate based on zip codes. And if you live in the same zip code, they'll have a crack at you about what street do you live in? What school do your children go to? What's that badge on your car? What's that label on your clothing? Because what fear does is it divides. 
And it sends us back to our primal tribal, because that's where we are safest. Maslow talked about belonging. He talked about in he talked about the um, hierarchy of needs, and we need to have shelter. We need to have food, water, and clothing. And then right above that is is belonging, and that sense of belonging sees us need to be accepted and feel part of something to the point that we will do things or not do things to ensure we are not excluded. Now, we know this because if we want to punish somebody, we'll exclude them. The old, the chief would say, doesn't like you, you're banished. Church doesn't like you, you're excommunicated. The army doesn't like you, you're discharged. School doesn't like you, you're expelled. I mean, there's a, I keep on going, but eventually they'll put you in prison. And when you're in prison, if you don't toe the line, if you don't comply, they'll put you in solitary. They'll exclude you from the prison community. Murdering, drug dealing, rapists, you're not complying with what we want. We're putting you in solitary. That's going to do your head in. We know that hurts the most because you will be alone. But that's not where it starts. It starts in a playground with the words, you can't play with us. And if this campaign is this much successful, when that happens, there'll be someone, some child with the courage to be kind, to put at risk what they value most, not popularity, but that sense of belonging. And they will speak up and say, yes, she can. Because that kid will go home and say, what's wrong with me? Why doesn't anyone like me? Why don't I have any friends? And as a parent, that's heartbreaking. So we need to look at where we do this because, to me, our vernacular says, if you have nothing nice to say, then don't say anything. And all that is is another form of exclusion. I tell my daughters, if you have nothing nice to say, dig a little deeper. How hard can it be? But she's really mean, Dad. I said, well, ask her, is this the best we can be? And what if she says yes? I said, well, you're telling me you're peaking at 12 years of age? That's, that's not healthy. But so, it's, uh, it started off there, but it has a far greater reach. And when we look at what we're able to do when we do something together and we embrace our commonalities, it's incredible. Unfortunately, we've been conditioned to be in a space where we feel we can't make a difference because it's overwhelming. And that's simply not true. Who was Abraham Lincoln before he was Abraham Lincoln? Who was Nelson Mandela before he was Nelson Mandela? Who was Gandhi? They were just people. Jesse Johnson. They were just people that decided to do something rather than nothing. And they actually got their spark ignited by a simple declaration that said all men are created equal, or the preamble to the declaration. And they took that to heart. And with that, they inspired so many nations. And that's why I feel that when we have these declarations signed by governments, by cities, and hopefully by the United Nations, it provides a license to practice kindness. And what does that look like in terms of your efforts in the U.S. today? What are you hoping to see in the near well, term? Well, look, there's 70 kindness organizations in the U.S., and we've been talking to them for a fair while, and there's 10 that the movement has as, as members. Um, World Kindness USA won't be launched until April. It's already registered, and the expressions of interest that we've received include cities, include school, um, school districts with 70,000 students, um, and we haven't even got started, not to mention people in this space. There's a lot of social entrepreneurs in there, and because they're social entrepreneurs, they wouldn't be able to join the global movement. And the reason they can't join the global movement is the criteria for the global body is very narrow. You have to be an organisation who has a primary purpose to promote kindness. Now, the danger with that is you end up preaching to the converted, becomes a mutual admiration society. So we identified that back in 2000 and 
2010. And by 2012, we had launched a model for national bodies which have a broader membership base. So a company can become a member of World Kindness USA. So a company can become part of... But before a company joins, they've got to meet the KPIs, kindness performance indicators. Do they have kindness on the agenda? Because when the organization like World Kindness USA receives that endorsement as a national body, it gives us a bit of impetus, a bit of gravitas. And it's much, uh, much easier to go and knock on a door when you know you're representing the nation internationally. It's more inclined for that door to open. But the queue to get to that door is quite long, yeah? There's a lot of people in front of you bleeding knuckles. And the door is protected. It's protected by the guardians of the status quo. Now, what do they look like? What colour are they? What gender are they? Do they wear a suit? (laughs) What age are they? I mean, you're talking about myself. Mm -hmm. White, middle-aged men in expensive suits. That's the tribe. And the people knocking on the door might not necessarily look like that. They may be younger. They may be female. They may be of a different political persuasion, whatever it might be. And I think some of the success that we've had in part is because I am the least likely candidate to be promoting kindness. When you think about kindness as warm and fuzzy, Mm. you don't think about a six foot two, I don't know what the weight is in in pounds, but I could be a four, I could play rugby or what do you call it? Football. Mm. I could play football quite easily. Mm. Um, So I'm the sheep in wolf's clothing. And it's about getting this message to men. If you have a look at a lot of the issues that are in society, social issues, a lot of it has got to do with the bill that we've been sold of what it means to be a man. When they do that call to action in the name of God, king and country, that's a call to arms. And who's it to? It's to men. So men can't be seen to be kind because it's inconvenient. Because if they did a call to arms in the name of kindness, love and compassion, it's a lot harder to get people to go out and harm other people. So I think it wasn't deliberate. It was just let's, we can't attack kindness front on, so let's just soften the messaging around it, remove some of the substance. And I've been talking about kindness as being MIA, missing in action. You do a word search. Adult educators are afraid to use the word kindness. They'd rather go for wellness or well-being or, or mindfulness. Not that there's anything wrong with those words, but they're relatively young. And if you're in marketing, you know the older the brand, the longer the tenure it has, the more power it has, e.g. Coca-Cola, McDonald's, whatever it might be, Ford. And you also know that when you deliver a message, it must be simple. It must resonate with a four-year-old to a 94-year-old. So ask your four-year-old, what does mindfulness mean? And then ask them, what does kindness mean? And I don't get it. I really didn't understand it until I realised the reason it's missing in action and why people are afraid to use it is because men have to, to make the hard decisions. And the people that control the board, the senior management, are men. And the people in HR that are taking this to them, they need to come up with buzzwords, create words that are going to sound more technical. But at their essence, it is kindness. But when you water it down, when you don't use the word kindness, guess what happens? It just starts to disappear. So our job's been to put it back on the agenda, and I'm very pleased to say This year, we have featured in so much media. We just had World Kindness Day last week. I think you're aware of that, 13th of November. And it's just been in the press everywhere. And that's because we've hit a tipping point. And that's why World Kindness USA will work now. Because the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. 
people are saying we need to do something. And if you can put forward a strategy and an idea to bring people together and collaborate on, they can have their different views on whatever they like, but on this one thing, and in that process, raise that awareness. And I, I talk about it's like buying a Volvo. So how's it like buying a Volvo? Well, how many Volvos did you see today? You don't know. But if you buy one, you start to see them everywhere. When you raise your awareness to kindness, your radar, your bandwidth increases. And not only do you see things that you never saw before, those on the fringe, you actually feel compelled, compelled to go up and use the most powerful word that eliminates loneliness, to go up to that kid or that person in the crowd and say hello and invite them in. And this is, I know this because it's what's happened to me. Can I pause you? Sure. So this is really interesting to me as somebody who has lived in the U.S. all his life. Given what we're seeing in the climate of the U.S. this year socially, how are you seeing this working? What are you, what are you seeing in terms of connection and outreach and influence on people who have influence? Well, it's one step. At, it's one step at a time. It's being able to get the door open and have that conversation and do that. So when we, when we approach the cities, and I think you guys call it a proclamation. You sign a proclamation, and I think that that's okay. We say it's a declaration of support for a kinder world. And when they sign these declarations, maybe not all the people that sign it actually believe it, but it has to be unanimous. That's the start. Now, we've had a lot of cities sign these declarations for support. They move a motion. That has to be resolved unanimously, regardless of the political divide. So what happens is that gets done, and then in addition to the declaration, they appoint goodwill ambassadors to network and drive it from within their council. So if there's anybody in that community, anybody at all in, within that community that is um, interested in doing a kindness initiative or a kindness campaign or anything associated to goodwill, they would be the guys, the go-to guys that would support it to hand out the awards, Courage to be Kind Award, to do these things. And that's good. The trouble is not every organisation, not every company actually walks the talk. They're there for the photo op, but they don't walk the talk. So what happens when somebody does walk the talk, like the city of Gold Coast? So they're listed as a world kindness city. What does that mean for them? Well, let's think about that for a moment. You're the mayor or the councillor that instigated this. You're driving into the city and you see that sign. What, what city are you in? Oregon? Where, where are you? Portland. Portland. Welcome to Portland. Population 500,000. I don't know. That's pretty close. <laughs> 500,000. Officially listed as a world kindness city since 2020. So you're the mayor. See that? <laughs> See that? I did that. <laughs> We're the world kindness city. Thumbs up. And that's good, right? That's a good thing. That's the reminder. But what happens, and you will know this more than anyone else, is that leadership is temporary. Whether it's a school teacher, whether it is the boss in your company, or whether it is the president of the United States, it's temporary. And whatever policies, whatever programs you've implemented are at risk of being rescinded or ignored by the person who next steps into your role. And they do that not because they hate you or anything else, but because they need to feel they want to leave their own legacy. So you end up with this vicious cycle. But let's go back to that sign, but it's five years later. And you're the new mayor. And you're the new political party that's now in charge. Public opinion's changed, and you're now doing this and you're driving into that town and you see that sign 
what you don't want to see is a ladder and a guy in a pair of coveralls with a paint scraper scraping off your list. In other words, we see it as a AAA credit rating. Not hard to get if you've never had credit, but actually once you've got it, you do not want to lose it. So that ensures the city will continue to have World Kindness Day on its calendar, will continue to have bi-monthly meetings, will continue to have the awards, will continue to encourage the Chambers of Commerce to participate, to get the people to participate, and you multiply that by one city after another, after another, after another, and you start to have influence there. Because you know who lives in cities? Registered voters. And that's where we need to be going. I can tell you about the gun crisis, the gun lobby, and the gun, the whole gun thing. The irony is the common denominator with those that are against guns and those that are for guns, both of them is fear. I'm afraid, so I need a gun. I'm afraid, so I don't want you to have a gun. Mm -hmm. But in a kinder world, in a kinder world, it wouldn't matter who had a gun. And that's where we've got to go to. That's not saying I'm supporting, you know, Australia is obviously a very different animal in regards to mm-hmm. But when I talk about everyone sort of says, imagine a kinder world, a kinder neighbour, and that's an easy thing to do. It is. But talk about a world that has zero kindness, none, like none, mm-hmm. no kindness even in the family. It's become a world that is all about self. How long would you survive? No kindness. You do a word search, you wouldn't find kindness on the emails, the company handbook, the company website, nada. You wouldn't find kindness in the constitution, the word kindness in the constitution. Let me ask you this. You're highlighting yeah. you're highlighting the need and the growing despair in a way. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So clearly you're brilliant at the macro vision, right? So Thank you. Well, yeah, I mean I can tell you're orienting these responses towards that huge vision. You can hold it really highly and see all the, the connections. So so here I am, you know, I'm the man walking around North Portland. There's so many people that connect more with with um, just not belonging in the world of change. What can I do, right? How can you connect your mission with somebody who's not the head of a company or the principal of a school? What, what can they, how can they get involved? Okay, can I tell you a story? Mrs. Kafoops. Mrs. Kafoops is an 80-year-old lady, 80 years old. She lives in the back of Burke, which is a fictional town in like the outback. Mm-hmm. Population, 2,000 people. She's got the phone book. She's got the phone book. <laughs> She's in the W. She sees it. World Vision. Do you have World Vision? World Vision is like a massive charity. I see. Wow. I'd like to get involved with that. Picks up the phone. <laughs> does the <laughs> dial. Magic digit. She's got through to the CEO of World Vision. Actually, it's a great, it's a great organisation. I'm just using that because it's in the W's. <laughs> and she says, how can I help? I love what you're doing. I want to be involved. I want to make a better world. What can I do? And the CEO says, oh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Mrs. Kafoops. Well, I'm 80 years old. I live in the back of Burke, population 2,000. And goes, oh, it might be an issue, 80 years old. We've got some, you know, health assessment, risks, safety, or, um, and we don't have an office in the back of Burke. And let's see, do you have the internet connected there? Well, what we could do is you could get online and you can make a donation hmm. with your credit card, and we'd really appreciate that. Or we could arrange an appointment on the telephone for you to speak to an estate planner so that your money can work well after you're, you're, you've gone. Hmm. And she goes, well, that's not really what I was thinking. <laughs> so, but thank you. So she goes back to the phone book and she says, well, world kindness. That sounds nice. <laughs> I'll give them a call. So she dials the number, <laughs> magic digit. She gets on to me. And I say, Mrs. Kafoops, 
let's see, 80 years old, back of Burke. Well, the good news is the Goodwill Ambassador on your local council is councilman so-and-so, the Goodwill Ambassador in your local school, your local sports club, your Rotary, whatever it might be, they are meeting every two months and they would welcome you to come along and look and participate in initiatives leading up to World Kindness Day. And guess how much that cost? Nothing. <laughs> And all we've done is borrow a business model from the most successful campaign in the world. And that business model is that we've created a cell. We've broken it down, reverse engineered it, and what drives the campaign of fear and hate is grabbing a bunch of individuals and inspiring them to do something and go out and tap other people on the shoulder except we get the support of the city. And instead of fear and hate and terror, it's kindness and compassion. And you start to grow. We don't need to govern them. And that's the mistake that a lot of organisations have made. They've got to ask for money to support a huge infrastructure. We don't need to govern them. We can give them the tools to engage people. We can give them ideas. You can get stuff from the website. You can attend a an online video, you can do a million things to inspire people and it's been done really well but by the forces of darkness. We just need to do it and do it better and we are. And there's stuff happening right now, right around the corner that I've got no clue about where somebody is doing absolutely something brilliant. And if you want to have a conversation in kindness, and that's where it starts, because once it's on the agenda, great, but then have a conversation. Invite a few friends for brunch or for breakfast or for a big, whatever it is, and talk about what are we going to do? How can we do this? Whatever it is, and interview people. What does kindness mean to you? And put together a little clip and get that out there. There's a million things. I mean, it's... You're right. I like I like the big picture, but you can get into the detail and individuals can do powerful things in their community that go viral, that go exponential. So, Michael, I'm wondering if you can give an overview of how you became the, the kindest guy. I mean, did, was this always who you were? Um, no. Was there a point in life? No. <laughs> Why you? No, I, look, I, I never saw myself as a bad... I was the kid at school that always intervened. I was just in my nature. I can't stand bullies, cannot stand bullies. And sometimes my intervention was welcomed, another time it was resented because, I don't know, I mean, I think that I was seen as, um, I, I, in some ways, some kids need attention. And even if it's negative attention, they'll seek negative attention. And if you interrupt that they'll resent it. But they also realise at that moment that you've gone to protect them that um, you're not a threat. How did you learn that as a little boy? I really appreciate all the work you're doing in the world. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave us at this point. I'll make sure that listeners have all the information to connect with the World Kindness Movement in the production notes. Uh, is there anything that we didn't cover that you'd like to share before we end? Um, probably. That's <laughs> fine. I felt like I've done a lot of talking and I think that if they just go to worldkindnessusa.org, uh, express their interest and we'll, we'll follow up. All we've got there at the moment, I think we've got a Facebook page and we've got a Twitter account, but it's only just been set up as a temporary, like a billboard, yeah. but it will accept um, expressions of interest. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I'm really inspired by the world you're do, uh, the work you're doing in the world, and I hope that uh, 2018 just brings more kindness. Great, thanks, thanks so much, Jesse. What is the kind? Like, let's go back to 9/11. What was the kinder option? What was the kinder option? What would have happened if the president had the courage to be kind? What would have happened if he had have said, this is, this is the work of terrorists, this is the work of individuals? 
rather than going to war in Iraq, the mother of all wars. What would have happened if the Christian nation had have said, let's turn the other cheek? But the problem is the politician, the president, would never be allowed to do that because the need for blood, the need for payback, the need for vengeance, justice, is so great. But we have to get to that point. Look, I'm I'm very fortunate. I I rarely I haven't really been trolled. I rarely get harassed like on social media. But there's an art to being able to stay focused on the ball rather than the person. And when you pose a response as a question, you can de-escalate that. And it doesn't matter where you are. You can be in the peak global body of a kindness organisation and you still run the risk of a volatile exchange. All these wonderful people, all these people doing good work that have kindness on the agenda, they all suffer with the same frailty of the human condition as the rest of us. So we adopted and implemented a kindness clause into our constitution. It's never been done, to my knowledge, anywhere in a constitution. And since we've done that, it's been adopted by a law firm for shareholders agreements. And all it is, is a self-audit, a U-turn. It means that when you sign an agreement, how often do you look at it? Time you sign it, next time when there's a problem. But if there's a kindness clause in there that says you cannot escalate any grievance, unless you can prove that you've used your best endeavours to seek the kinder option, you've sought reconciliation, you've invited the person to sit down and have a cup of coffee, you've done everything within your means and all your conversations have been with the best of intent behind closed doors or otherwise. And funnily enough, it's just been used. It just got triggered within the organisation because of a simple misunderstanding of a word and the reaction of a person that did not want to communicate, that just wanted to shut down. And that's part of it. There's the personal interaction, but you need to have some systems in place. You need to have some tools to be able to support that. That's right. So um, it's not gonna be easy, but we need the good people. We need ambassadors in cities. We need ambassadors in town. We need people to go and convene a little lunch group and have these conversations and share it. There's a national convention in April in San Francisco that is um, coming up, and it's specifically for people in the kindness space. But when we launch, we'll be looking at other opportunities of being able to bring people together and hopefully get some positive media. And it starts with having a conversation on Skype. Mm -hmm. You never know where it's going to go. Right. So if I came to Oregon, what are the odds that we'll be able to get a hall or get a restaurant or get a cafe Mm -hmm. and bring some people together for a conversation? I'd say they'd be pretty good. Mm -hmm. I can tell you come from a sales background. (laughs) Quasi sales, marketing, quasi HR. Yeah. They're well, similar because they're both about inspiring people to do something. Awesome. One's internal, yeah. one's external. Well, our our way of being change agents in the world happens to align really well, so there's a good chance it could make it happen. Here's my last um, question for you. Um, if you. If you had five minutes alone with President Trump tomorrow, how would you spend that time? I talked to him about an idea. I talked to him about it. I talked to him about a big idea. See, if we were, and it would be have to be global. If we were going to have a um, a conversation in kindness, a national a conversation in kindness, who would be on the panel? Now, if we got Michelle Obama on the panel, we would get a lot of people wanting to come to see that. Yeah, but there'd be some people that would not want to come. 
But what about if we got Michelle Obama and Ivanka Trump on the same panel to talk about what does kindness mean? And getting back to that situation and being able to do that. Because to be a world leader and to be able to get together and have these conversations, to co-sponsor a motion at the UN, the first ever to see a kinder world realised in our lifetime. So that provides a licence to practise kindness under any regime. And the reason I say practice is because we never get it right. That's a work in progress. But once you get the governments of the world to sign this declaration, it's going to inspire those Nelsons and Martins and Malalas and what they will start to do. But it needs the courage of the conviction of leaders. And at the moment, there's a lot of resentment. There's a lot of ego. And we need to be able to say, do you want to make history? Do you want to be a global change agent for the better? And what does that mean? What does that look like? It looks like different things to different people. But if we can convince them that this is a courageous thing to do, then it's going to resonate more with men because the women are already doing it. Right on. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. I really appreciate all the work you're doing in the world. And uh, is there anything that we didn't cover that you'd like to share before we end? Um, probably. That's <laughs> fine. I felt like I've done a lot of talking. And I think that if they just go to worldkindnessusa.org, uh, express their interest, and we'll, we'll follow up. All we've got there at the moment I think we've got a Facebook page and we've got a Twitter account, but it's only just been set up as a temporary, like a billboard, yeah. but it will accept um, expressions of interest. To learn more about Michael's work at World Kindness, find World Kindness on Facebook or check out the worldkindnessmovement.org. The question of the day is this, what's the cruelest part of yourself and how has it benefited you up until now? How can you start your own kindness movement bringing self-compassion to this part of you? To find out more about the world of Supergivers, head over to supergivers.com. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, click on the podcast link and send in an application. That's all for today. Thanks for listening and maybe even subscribing to the Supergivers podcast, where we celebrate ordinary people creating extraordinary impact in the world. If you'd like to put some social action towards this show, please consider leaving a review or sharing a link to the show with one person you know. I'm your host, Jesse Johnson, wishing you kindness, resource, and courage.